Is there anything that makes you feel more adult than buying art? Your art gallery makes buying art an easy, affordable experience that you can do from the comfort of your own home. Better yet, they encourage all levels of artists to exhibit on their site, and 90% of the fee goes directly to the artists. Hello. Plus, they're eco-friendly. Select your piece of art on yourartgallery.com and use the promo code G-R-O-W-N at checkout to get 25% off of your order. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I just go where I trade wind blows, sending love to my friends and foes. And I suppose I'm pleased to be chilling in the West Indies. Job <laughs> provide all my wants and needs. I got the sunshine, rivers, and trees. Green leaves. I was just feeling irie. Clearly. So I sang a little protege featuring chronics. 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 <laughs> <laughs> You can find them on a Facebook. Oh my God. Praise the Lord, niggas. <laughs> yeah, I gotta stop saying it like scissor. <laughs> I refuse. I can't say skirt, skirt anymore. Be like, skoit, skoit. Oh my gosh. Skoit, skoit, or niggas. No. <laughs> no. If I learned nothing this weekend, I learned that. I'm irritated by SZA. I'm not a, I'm not a SZA stan. I don't get it. Like, I've tried to engage and, you know, I, understand I, the hype, but I'm just like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And, of course, now Noah is a SZA fan. Of course she is. Because she's a huge Black Panther soundtrack fan. So um, she's a huge Kendrick Lamar fan. She What does she keep saying? Um... <laughs> Shaolin. Oh my god. Oh Shintao. Anybody Shintao Shintao. <laughs> but she told me yesterday when they picked me up from the airport, Mommy, I like SZA. Oh <laughs> like, oh no way. Like, well, don't say niggas. But she is prohibited. She is not permitted to say niggas. <laughs> what so in the world is that? Like what kind of what language? Like what is what is she doing? Why can't she just why can't she just say words correctly? (laughs) Is it an accent? Like an actual accent, or is it just like I'm just saying what I want to say? Which one is it? It's a black accent. It's annoying. But anyway, (laughs) praise the Lord, niggas. Uh, We digress. But welcome back to another episode of Getting Grown with Jade and Kia. I'm Kia. That's Jade, and here we talk about. All things adulting, the good, the bad, the ugly, the test, the twists, the turns, the trials, the taxes of being a real life adult in the year of our Lord 2018. What's going on, sis? Nothing. I am just recovering and recuperating. Oh, boy. And jumping back into another very busy week. We had a wonderful birthday weekend for our brother Asante. Indeed. Indeed. Good times were had. Good, Good times, times were, had. were had. It was like an episode of Mad Real World. So we had a blast. <laughs> it was like a lot of niggas in one house. And we we had a really good time. Shout out to Crystal Jean. Indeed. For putting together. She's a, a party weekend. planner, people. 
She is a planner. It was a, it was a move. It was a move. We did. We had lots and lots of activities, and we spent good time, good quality time together celebrating Tay. Tay's Dirty 30. Yes, and, and it was we dirty all had an amazing time. Indeed. It was filled with all manner of shenanigans. <laughs> and I learned, I learned three key things about myself. Do you want to know what I learned? Yes. The I'd first like I've already shared. Yes, the first I've already shared. I am annoyed by SZA. That's number one. <laughs> number two, we are in a, the music as a whole, like current music, the music of, of this day is generally pretty terrible. <laughs> I think that it all sounds like one song. I was very confused. <laughs> it was hard for me to distinguish who was saying what, when, and what. I, I tried very hard to pay attention. I, I, but I noticed, you know, I feel like, you know, there's just a lot of similarity. Um, I'm gonna break it down for you. Between Chris. the com- like the sounds of this of this day and age are very common, and I just feel like mean like mean like they're when I say common, I mean that they're used and overused. <laughs> like everybody says the same thing in very similar ways. But what were you gonna dance say? with my dogs in the nighttime? Mm-hmm. Trap kitchen got the chicken like Popeyes. Yep. Trying to change the color like tie-dye. Right. I ain't trying to live. I ain't trying to die. She got a big old onion booty make the world cry. Okay. In the kitchen wrist twisting like a stir fry. In the kitchen wrist twisting like a stir fry. I remember that song. <laughs> we listened to that. We listened to that quite a bit this weekend. I do. I do remember Y'all know that. that's my jam. Yeah. But um, I do feel you. Uh, the little pumps and the... Man, I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, that's that's number two. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to say I didn't have a good time and I didn't enjoy, you know, certain songs. I mean, I I was there. I was into it. I wasn't, you know. No, she wasn't grandma. Yeah, I wasn't. You know what I'm saying? And I was, you know, getting my two steps in where appropriate. Mm -hmm. Howsoever. Mm -hmm. I was just saying that as a whole, me trying to keep up with the, you know, all of the, you know, the latest and greatest was a bit of a struggle for me. How, uh, but yeah, number three, mm-hmm. um, and probably like the most important lesson that I've learned is that I must, in going out, I don't feel like I'm I'm going to be going out a whole lot more. I'm not going to say that I won't ever go out, but the times that I do go out, I must have a seat because if I do not have a seat, I will not enjoy myself. I have learned that standing idly, like standing up for long periods of times is for young people. And I am no oh. longer a young person. So mm-hmm. I need to have a seat. There needs to be a seat for me. If you yeah. invite me to your function, I need to be promised a chair, a, a chair. stool, yeah. a bench, a couch, yeah. something. Um, because standing up is for young people. I've learned that. And I'm just not in the... And it has nothing to do with like heels or flats. You know, there were times where I had on uh, heels. There were times where I had on flats. But all those times I wanted a seat and I had one. And mm-hmm. I thank God. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was my weekend in a nutshell. Happy birthday to Asante. Yes. And also shout out to our brother, Kid Fury, who appeared on Jesus and Miro. I'm so proud. I am so, so proud. That's another reason I started off with the Chronics and Protégé song. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him um, and Jesus for the Jamaican connection, as Chris also pointed out in his Instagram post with the camo. <laughs> very, very, very much so. 
So, yes, that is an intro of getting grown, a very long one. <laughs> but, but welcome back. Let's take out some trash. Oh, lay do it. I don't have much trash this week. Kia says she also has some trash, which is great. Um, the two things that I have on the list are Erica Mena is returning to Love and Hip Hop. Oh, God. What? Right. Why is, okay. Okay. I'm just going to let her have it. I mean, a check is a check. Everyone needs a job. Go ahead, Erica. Oh, but she's eating it because a year ago, as the Shade Room so shadily pointed out. <laughs> we can count on them for that. Yeah. She tweeted a year ago that she would never return to Love and Hip Hop. Um, and those who return to Love and Hip Hop, <clears throat> excuse me, need the money. Huh. <laughs> so she is eating her platform, Stripper Hills, as we speak for dinner with a side of broccoli. You gotta be and careful. Then the, you gotta be careful, Erica Men, old loud self. That's what you get. Eat your words. Bless her heart. Words. Bless it right now. And then um, I don't think we discussed the package explosion in Austin. Did you hear about that? I felt like I saw like a headline about it, but I don't know that I read the story. What happened? Um, so basically somebody was dropping off packages in the middle of the night. Um, I want to say a total of, I can't remember. I don't want to misspeak, but a couple of people were killed. Um, the packages were not traced through FedEx, UPS or USPS, United States Postal Service. Um, they weren't traced through any of them. So somebody was actually physically leaving them on doorsteps and they believed that it was a racially charged. They were racially charged hate crimes because all of the victims were black. Mm. So um, they were admonishing people if they received any suspicious packages or any unmarked packages or marked packages that they weren't expecting on their doorsteps to make sure that they were very careful. So I know that that's been an ongoing investigation Jesus. and trying to figure out who's doing that. But I thought that was ultimate trash, and it also happened during South by Southwest. So, God, um, it's like, goddamn, we cannot get ahead. And then, uh, the third thing, Stevie Wonder. I saw that one was on my list. My end all be all. Stevie said, "Leave Bruno alone, y'all." He said, "Leave Bruno alone." He said, "You all saying that Bruno appropriating black music is bullshit." And I stand behind Stevie just because it's Stevie. Like, you all know how I feel about Stevie. Every I don't know. If you don't know how I feel about Stevie, I have a number of Stevie Wonder tattoos. Yes, they have meaning to them. They are not just meaningless random tattoos, even though my mother would probably argue otherwise. Hey, Mom. Um, <laughs> what up, lady? <laughs> um, and, I, you know, Stevie is my favorite artist of all, all, all time. Um, I just think he is the most genius, brilliant person on this planet. And so, yeah, I'm, I stand behind him. I stand with Stevie. Do it, girl. Did we? What you got on your list? Did we talk? I don't feel like we talked about, uh, Janae, uh, Big Whispers, Aiko, <laughs> and Big Sean. Um, I don't feel like we talked about it. Um, but. Janet Jackson Light? No, we did not. Oh, my God. So. I actually didn't learn about it until after our show went up last week, just in terms of, you know, Janae getting Sean tattooed on her body. Oh, yeah. And then um, there being some allegation of him cheating on her. 
shortly thereafter with, with um what's that girl's name? What did you call her? Nicole Schweppes. Yes, Nicole Schweppes Ginger Ale. <laughs> Nicole Schwarzenegger. This was a long time ago, but at one point, Fury back in the day kept like it was like a it was like a hashtag or it was like a thing on Twitter where we went back and forth for hours saying Nicole Schertzenheimer, Nicole uh John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt, Nicole, like we called her all manner of things. Nicole later Listen, and it was so much fun. And I remember Nicole Schweppes Ginger Ale being like one of my personal favorites. Um so that's why I was really, really pleased to dust the you know blow the dust off of that one for um that particular tweet so uh from what i understand both janae uh janae has whispered and sean has tweeted that all of these (laughs) allegations are false and um you know they have since been professing their love um you know uh, of of one another all over social media literally since everywhere literally everywhere um Sean hasn't gotten a Janae Aiko tattoo, though. No, but she has his face so boldly printed on her arm. It's literally it's the loudest thing about her. Because I don't know. It is the loudest <laughs> thing about her. I don't that is another key I have in common that we just don't see it for. I don't I'm see not it. a Janae Aiko I, I mean, honestly, because I listen to... Every time I've tried to listen to her music, it's been on maximum value. And I find myself straining. Maximum volume. And I'm still straining. Like, What? Girl, clear your throat and speak up. What are you saying? I I have no idea what she's talking about, but God bless her heart. Um, And I just, yeah, I mean, I think someone on Twitter asked us if we would weigh in on the, uh, on it. And I think this is me weighing in. I don't really have an opinion about Janae. I don't either. Janae wanted to get Sean tattooed on her arm. That's her arm. It's nothing to do with me. I feel like. Would I do it? I think it's dumb. I was about to say, you would know? I do it under no circumstances? Would I do it? Absolutely not. I love my husband and I'm not putting his big black face I mean, on my arm. what is the, like, okay. Like. And I have his whole baby. Listen, okay. But, hey, to each his or her own. That's all. Um, <laughs> and the last thing that I saw that I thought was uh, interesting was, you know, we have another tale from the gutter snipe gang. Nefertiria. Oh, Nefertiria is still trying to fix her life this time via Instagram. She recently pinned <laughs> an Instagram com uh, uh she in- recently posted a picture of her and Keisha from back in the day. And the caption was a letter to Keisha apologizing, saying that she loves and misses her sister because evidently they've not been speaking and Nephi doesn't have any kind of relationship with Keisha's child. Um, or anything like that. So she was apologizing and she was acknowledging, you know, that this was her effort to humble herself and accept and take responsibility for her actions and put her pride aside and just, you know, put herself out there to say that she misses her sister. Um, And she's ready to be healed. And she listed all the other siblings and asked for their forgiveness as well so that they can move forward. So I hope that, you know, I thought it was cool. because it's not very often that we see um like a genuine I mean I'm hoping that it's a genuine uh gesture trying to reconnect and you know all of the reality show 
drama aside, they're sisters, they're siblings. Um, That's really the And y'all know, you know, how I feel about sibling relationships. So I am pulling for them and hoping that they can come together because, you know, life is short and I would hate for something to happen to either of them before they had a chance to make it right. So that's not really trash, but I did see it on the shade room. And, you know, I was like, we should celebrate Nephi for laying down her gutter snipe ways and trying to do the right thing. I'm going to go ahead and pick her up for that and give it to her and hope that it was a sincere gesture and that, they, like you said, that they make it right because it, you know, it's hard when you don't have a relationship with your sibling. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's that. All the best to them. Holla! All Let's say best. Frankie. Let's say holla for Frankie. Holla! Holla! I miss Frankie. I hope she's doing well. <laughs> Um, but I think I that is doing well. right. I think that's all for the trash. You want to move on to shout out to my sis? Let's shout out our sis. My sis is popping right now. Like, hey, everybody, it's time for shout out to my sis. Uh, we have two shout outs this week. Um, the first one being our sister Dubs. You all know her as hey. uh, Lady Wonder 87 or Lady W87 w. on Twitter. W. And if you've if you're a veteran of the of the YouTube, you know that uh, Dubs has been out here for a long time and she's one of the world's best storytellers. She also happens to be my sis and I love her very much. Um, so much. She also uh, came and kicked it with us in Atlanta to celebrate Tay's birthday this weekend. And it was awesome to reconnect with her. And we wanted to make sure that we shouted her out and let you guys know about her podcast. It's called Young-ish. It's a podcast for young um, young parents um, raising young children and growing up together. Mm-hmm. As young as just a hilariously honest podcast hosted by a rambunctious single mom, Dubs, and her 11-year-old, very candid son, JJ. This weekly unfiltered show is for young parents and their kids who are growing up together every week. The family gives you a transparent view into their dynamics while taking while talking, excuse me, about pop culture, politics, Music, TV shows, and family life, ultimately hoping to connect young generations together. It's great for ages seven and up. I love Dubs. I love JJ. Shout out to you, JJ. Mommy told mommy told us that you listened to the show, so we love you so much, nephew. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys check out. I'm gonna. We were. you gonna say? Oh, I'm sorry. I was, gonna, no, I was just gonna say I got on mommy about letting you listen please, to the show because it's <laughs> technically not for children. Howsoever, we do love you, and hopefully, your mother will send you to bed shortly after you listen to this. Um, but uh, y'all be sure I uh, will. We will leave the link to Youngish, um, uh, this brand new awesome podcast um, that features Dubs and JJ. We hope you guys love it. Um, like I said, Dubs is an awesome storyteller. You will be thoroughly entertained <laughs> uh, by listening to her share her life and experiences as a single mom, uh, figuring out and making it work in Denver, Colorado, where she happens to live right now. So you guys check that out. The link will be in the description box. Um, We love you, Dubs. We love you so much. Uh, Yeah, make sure you guys check out Youngish. I think it is a completely amazing podcast and a super, super, super dope podcast. Right, it's so timely. It's right on time. Like, we need that. It is right on time. There's so many young parents out there. So definitely you guys check out Dubs and JJ. Love you guys. Um, Our second shout-out to my sis, 
Y'all, I cried. And Fran captured it. And I called you a simp. Because you are. They only stay up for 24 hours. Because we got um, an uh, incredible email from um, a wonderful listener by the name of Unapologetically Heather on Instagram. I'll be sure to link you guys in the description box. In addition to being a young black woman in STEM, she is also a visual artist. And so she sent us a couple of pieces. Um, She painted um, Kia's brother, Brian, entitled it Cookie, uh, which I thought was a beautiful gesture. And then Kia um, as well in all of her regalia (laughs) um, with Brian uh, watching over her. And then she painted um, one called the Noah Family Renaissance. Which I was like, okay, by the time I got to that one, (laughs) I was like, oh, God. (laughs) It is literally Kia, XD, Fran, Crystal, Tay, uh, Fury, and Dustin. And and Link. Link. I was about to say, put some respect (laughs) on her name. Oh, I wasn't going to forget Link. Link the baddest. Um, Link is the baddest. Link Link is literally the baddest bitch. Yo, she got an MGM backpack. Like, she's but, um, not playing with you, hoes. She's not. Link has way more expensive jewelry than I do. She showed up to greet us at the airport one evening with pink pearls on, and I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> she's a lady, but um, she's she's a freaking lady. Don't you forget it. But I just thought this was so beautiful. Um, the detail to it, and it is Noah painting a picture of her, uh, drawing a picture of herself with crayons with all of her aunties and uncles surrounding her. So I thought it was such a beautiful piece and such an awesome gesture. Um, she also did some sneakers, some custom sneakers for Fury and Crystal. So I'm going to make sure that I put all of her information in the description box. I cannot wait um, to see it in person. I think it is, I just, I want to thank you because I think that's such a dope concept and I can't wait to put it up in Noah's room. <laughs> so, so she can see this representation with this black doll baby and all of her loved ones around her. Cause these are people who truly love Noah. Like these are the people who got Noah school pictures. Absolutely. These are, these are her aunties and her real uncles. So um yeah shout out to you for yeah thank you heather um heather reached out to me she sent me a dm um before she sent the email to let me know that she had uh wanted she had painted a picture of my brother um and uh it really is um like she nailed it like she's very talented um and the the second one is a picture of me at graduation um and my brother is behind me and uh, I, I can't think of the title off the top of my head, but it is um, something along the lines of like, you know, always got your back or something like, you know, how, you know, even even through. Just look yeah, over your shoulder. There I'll be there. OK, just look over your shoulder. I'll be there. Um, just representing how, you know, he's still with me, um, you know, and it really was, you know, just a, a really awesome, awesome gesture um you know of someone you know to take the the time and the and the, put in the energy and the effort to make something that's so beautiful so heather we really really do appreciate you um for sharing your gifts with us like this so we wanted to be sure to include you and shout out to my sis um to just really you know let you know how much we appreciate you 
for listening and for supporting um, the show and supporting us the way that you do. Absolutely. So thank you so, so, so much. Cool. All right, all right, all right. Let's gather around the kitchen table because uh, we've got some uh, business to attend to. Uh, the first order of business is being snacks. Are you snacking this weekend? <laughs> I mean, this week says. <laughs> oh, I oh, snacked yes. this weekend. I snacked, I snacked sufficiently this weekend. I regret it every bit of it, but it's fine. <laughs> every bite of it. Which is why um, my dinner tonight is a bowl of tuna. Listen. Because <laughs> it's going to be lots of tuna and grapefruit and cucumbers and cleansing things for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Got to get it Because the nigga just went all the way ham. We literally but had no, like an really adult birthday party. Like it was, a, it was a child's birthday party, but just a bunch of adults there. Because we had ice cream and cake and candy and chips. Just all Donuts. kinds of horrible, <laughs> horrible foods. Um, Horrible, delicious foods. Which sometimes probably at a child's party. It's at my child's party, so. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as me, I, I had dinner really late um, because I, I got off work pretty late. I was working on some things and before I knew it, it was like 8.30 and I was like, oh girl, you got to go home. So um, I didn't really eat lunch because um, that's just how my day was set up. So I stopped Aww. in... Uh, I stopped and got some dinner at this soul food spot on my way home. So I have some greens and some potato salad here. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. will, I'm looking forward to finishing them when we finish recording. Um, <laughs> because as I said, this is just about the first meal that I've had today. So oh. to God be all the glory. And it's probably the first green thing that you've Man, had in like 40 I'm just, I was so excited. Like I literally went to the restaurant and was looking like, I don't even want an entree. Just give me vegetables, please. Hi, can I just have a, a, a I just vegetable, need please? vegetables because <laughs> I have eaten so immaturely. Just French fries and onion rings and <laughs> like French woo. fries, onion rings, Chick Fil A, Waffle House, just like, bad, bad, bad. So the Crystal, okay. So we told you all she planned, but she did an ice cream social for Asante, and it was literally like twenty four bowls of toppings, everything you could possibly ask for, from walnuts to M and M's to to sprinkles, or as those in the Boston area like to call them, <laughs> Jimmy's, and um, chocolate chunks and caramel it was sauce, just so chocolate many sauce, strawberry preserves, <laughs> Nutella, <laughs> peanut butter. Everything, <laughs> literally. Cream. It was everything. And then she had peach cobbler cupcakes, strawberry cupcakes, chocolate cupcakes. And then Asante's mom brought donuts. The most delicious oh donuts. My God. It's ridiculous. My God. Really. They weren't Shipley's, but they were so good. I can confirm that. I can confirm so, that. And then Crystal got barbecue catered for the ice cream social from one of Asante's favorite barbecue spots. And me and, and it was, del- it was delicious, but me and Fury were in um, the room fixing our plates. And the both of us were like, there is not a green thing to be found. Not, I said that. <laughs> I said that as we were preparing the table. I was like, my God, I mean, can we buy a vegetable for $250, please? I'd like to buy a vegetable. My God. And corn is not a vegetable for all, those who, please, Gordy, corn is not a vegetable, Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's why. That's why I just went into Oos and Oz and just got myself a whole trough of greens because I had 
Yeah. No other recourse. <laughs> like, I was like, I just need something that grew in the ground. <laughs> that is filled with nutrients. No GMOs. No right. GMOs. Nutrients and minerals and vitamins. Just all kinds of good things that I need. I need that. But yes. I'm not mad, sis. That's going to be me all week. Man, listen. All right. So let's get down to business. Uh, it seems as though... Um, we have kicked off. I mean, well, it seems as though the response to the kickoff of the Getting Grown Book Club has been, um, you know, a pretty, a pretty well, a pretty good one. So, um, yes. we are going to continue the conversation, um, today of the Sisters Are All Right by Tamara Winfrey Harris. Um, and we did ask, we did send a tweet out to ask you all which chapters you would prefer us to, um, tackle next and, you know, we found through the comments and through the tweets that there wasn't really any real consensus about <laughs> we were kind of still all over the book. Um, so I tried to pick, uh, you know, the majority. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I guess it just speaks to um, how compelling a story that Tamara presents through the book and that, you know, there's a lot of... Um, thought-provoking insight and um, narrative about the experiences and identities um, of Black women and how Black women have are under, understood or misunderstood and depicted and portrayed um, throughout media and literature and history and culture. So we're going to continue the conversation today. And I thought that we would tackle or probably tag team um, the last two formal chapters of the book, which deal specifically with the label of strength. Um, so the strong mm-hmm. black woman kind of meme, I guess you can say that's how, that's how Tamara uh, referred to it throughout the chapter. So the strong black women uh, um, meme. And then uh, also how all of the various identities um, and labels that are kind of, that are placed upon, forced upon Black women specifically, how those things have impacted our health um, and specifically Mm -hmm. the ways in which that we care for or do not care for ourselves as it relates to our physical, mental, emotional health. Um, So we're going to talk about those two things um, and hopefully you know, generate or continue the conversation of, you know, uh, the book that way. What were you going to say, sis? I was going to make reference. We got an email from someone who asked us to put timestamps on the uh, book club conversation. Um, And we just want to encourage you guys. We are not doing uh, like a chapter by chapter synopsis of the book. What we want to do, especially with the theme of our show, we're picking books that obviously the listeners want to talk about, but we try to tie them into themes that are relatable right. to everybody. So we don't want to exclude anybody who doesn't, who has not read the book or is not able to read the book at, the, at this time. We want to encourage you to get the book eventually and read it. But we do try to center the conversation around topics that are relatable to women, especially black women. Um, 
and black people in general, because we know that we have a lot of male listeners and we don't want to exclude you guys either. Uh, but we just wanted to say that because we don't want you to feel like you can't listen to the full episode because you're not going to be able to relate or what have you. So I just wanted to put that out there. Good call. Uh, good point. And um, I think, you know, just to add on to that, while we try to have, you know, um, substantive conversation about certain aspects or themes that are pulled you know, that are discussed in the book, we don't, I mean, I, I guess it's not my intention to spoil it or ruin it. Um, you know, so that such that, you know, if you listen to the episode, then you go back to read the book that it won't be, you know, the same as if you, you know, hadn't listened to the episode at all. We're like, like Jay said, we're right. just using the book to kind of frame our longer, our broader conversation that we have from week to week on the show that, you know, talks about our experiences as women of color trying to figure out adulthood um, and figure out what it means to be a black woman and at the different phases of black womanhood. So transitioning from, you know, teens to early 20s to early 30s to mid 30s, like we're trying to cover, um, you know, a, a wider, uh, a range of experiences um, and highlight the fact that, you know, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a woman of color in this country, in this time is, you know, a multidimensional dynamic kind of thing. You can't just box us into mm-hmm. one label, one experience, one, um, you know, subset or, or anything like that. We're out here just trying to really highlight the variety of, of, uh, and the heterogeneity of our experiences as, as women of color. And, um, we just hoping that, you know, the conversation doesn't stop here, but we'll continue on as we not only talk about other books in the future, but as we, you know, continue on week to week discussing just the different things that we discuss. <laughs> um, exactly. so, uh, strong black women, the, t- how, um, Harris kind of phrases it, um, or the meme, if you want to describe the strong black woman, uh, label, as she characterizes as African women as perpetually tough, uniquely indestructible, unrelenting, or resilient. So she talks about, mm-hmm. uh, um, just kind of like how throughout history and throughout culture, um, black women are often characterized, you know, um, as strong, strong black women, which is not a lie, but it's oftentimes presented at odds with um, common common views or understandings of what it means to be feminine. Uh, so like, you know, femininity um, in, you know, history and in culture, especially as relates to like white women and what's, what's, what are the, standards of femininity are often associated with vulnerability and softness, um, daintiness. Daintiness. (laughs) And, you know, it's been very clear that black women are almost never very rarely, uh, portrayed in that way. Like we're almost always often seen as, um, uh, you know, strong, (laughs) unrelenting, resilient, take no nonsense kind of, take no prisoners, no nonsense kind of people 
on page 89, uh, there was a quote. It says, because according to pop culture and media, we are also the workhorses. We are the cold, overeducated, career-obsessed sisters who will never marry. We are the indefatigable mamas who don't need help, the castrating harpies. Um, and I thought mm-hmm. I pulled that one out uh, <laughs> because that would kind of like hit me in my gut a little bit. Like, well, <laughs> well, yeah. well, damn. Like, <laughs> um, but like, you know, the I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to talk about it and get your reactions to it, sis, because many women, you know, there's a for me. It's um, interesting to it's, it's a fine line to kind of navigate because many women like myself, we find we identify with the image of the strong black woman. And we think it very much represents mm-hmm. our truth and it empowers us, you know, to be deemed and considered the strong black women. Um, but at the same time, you know, what are the, you know, we also have to navigate. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. But we, at the same time, we also have to navigate okay. um, this notion that our strength, you know, sometimes or or oftentimes is considered to be like the only lens through which we're viewed and the times when we you know it's like we're not people think that we're not vulnerable or take our take take that you know vulnerability as weakness so have you in your um I mean just just like what are your reactions to that like when you were reading or going through the book you know how did it resonate with you how did it make you feel what were um, you know, some of the things that made you, that gave you pause and made you think? Well, <clears throat> it was, it was, it's right before what you were reading, um, from, uh, from the, cha- from mm-hmm. the first chapter, chapter six, strength, precious metal. And it talks about strong black woman and how those words are like, they're like puzzle pieces though. They're how they fit together. I think she says they're like blue magic, mm-hmm. a hot comb on a Sunday. Um, <laughs> but how we are constantly viewed as, Sharp tongue, right? Um, sassy, hand on the hips, ride or die chicks, or mammies, sojourner truth, plowed and planted and gathered into barns, and no man right. could head me. Women were always consistently no nonsense women on TV, but they never really show the vulnerable side of black women or reasons on why we have to, why we are constantly portrayed that way. And it's problematic because it takes a certain humanity right. away from black women and the ability to express those types of emotions. And that is dangerous because now you're not viewing us in a human light. You're viewing us, like you said, as workhorses or as people who are supposed to be strong. And while we do say it to each other in an encouraging way. A lot of times, you know, your strength is admirable or you're so strong. That's not always a compliment because people don't always want to be strong. Sometimes they just have to be. And especially as black women and the experiences that we've had in America, we've had so many situations in which we've had to be strong from being stripped away from where we're from to having our children torn away from us and never seeing them again to uh, being forgotten, to being raped, to being just devalued in society in general. And it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of heart-wrenching. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, huge burden so, um, to carry. And yes. 
people think that because you don't complain about it, that it's still not heavy. Right. So um, and, and mm-hmm. the, that limits then the support and the help that you're offered or that's available to you. And there are some very serious ways that carrying that burden will damage you. Right. So like when the, you know, the, the cost of this label of, of the strong black woman is that is, you know, it's, it's used to limit, limit our, the perception of us, who we are. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't appreciate the various dimension of our lives and our experiences. And that often leads us to assume um, and just take things that we don't necessarily have to take. Um, so like, you know, because I don't complain or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if you step on my foot and, and I don't say, ouch, you know, you're going to keep stepping on it. <laughs> or so right. it doesn't, even if, even if I can take the pain of it, it doesn't mean that the damage of you stepping on my foot is not still happening. So I might not say or verbalize or vocalize my ouch, but the wear and tear of you continuing to run over my toes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is, is, um, is definitely <laughs> going to, um, is going to compound until eventually it becomes a problem that is much bigger than it need than it, uh, needs to be. Um, it also puts a pressure, uh, ha- uh, Winfrey Harris also pulls out how the pressure of the label of the strong black woman makes, a you know, a, causes us to put a lot of pressure on ourselves, undue pressure on ourselves, this pressure to be perfect and all right all the time. Um, and this negative stigma that's attached to like common human experiences like sickness and sadness, mm-hmm. um, you know, women don't are not as vocal about the things that bother them or affect them because they don't want to be considered weak, right. Or weak or complaining. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that myself. Um, especially, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, t- in terms of like navigating and dealing with the, the stress of life and navigating phases of my life that I've never been in and not, don't really feel like I have experience or the tools to kind of handle. Um, but feeling this pressure that I've got to get it right. Um, And how that wears on you and the impact that it'll have. So like uh, my boss gets on me all the time about, um, you know, my, I strive every day to kind of do my job super well um, and to be as close to perfect Mm -hmm. as I possibly can be. And sometimes in that I don't ask for help when I need it or I'm not, you know, not as quickly as I should, or I may act like I understand something that I really don't. And she casts, she reminds me constantly that, you know, you're safe here and I'm not going to think that you're dumb if you say you don't get it. Um, and, you know, right. thankfully I am super blessed and, and fortunate and, and grateful to have uh, a boss that is supportive and to pull that out of me. But, you know, it is something that, I know that that's a reality for a lot of people, this, this pressure to be perfect mm-hmm. um, and how it distorts and skews, you know, your performance and, you know, you don't perform as well when you stressed out about it. So how it could, yeah, how it could limit your productivity and your success on your job um, and unnecessarily so. Asking questions at a <laughs> job. And I know that's a side note. 
No, it's, it's not a side note. Like that's you, the thing. Like we saying, if you, like, if you don't know, it's all right to not know. It's all right not it's to have okay it to not know. And it's all right not to be okay. And honestly, it prevents you from looking like a bigger for asshole real, for in the real. future because then you get clarity as to what it is that your duties or your task, your responsibility, the request, whatever is, and you're able to perform at a maximum level because you have full comprehension to what you're supposed to do. And I think a lot of times, like you said, I think a number of us are hard on ourselves and because of the stigmas in society and because of so many things and because of the dumb black woman or the workhorse stigma, we don't want to come off as not knowing because it exhibits um, a sign of weakness. Right. Uh, and that's it. You know, you setting yourself up for failure in the long run. For real, because like it's so damaging. I'm learning now because I've made a million mistakes. Mm. I'm learning. I'm learning now how the idea that mistakes are devastating and should be avoided is really like antithetical to what life and development and, pro- and progress is really all about. Mm-hmm. Because some, exactly because a lot of times um, avoiding mistakes. Yes. Okay. When I, we sh- I'm not saying that you should go out and just live life recklessly, but I do feel like even when you plan, you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's the lesson, right? Because you learn so much more in having to go back and try and do it again or having to start all over or that confusion um, or that conflict, or that dissonance, whatever it is that you feel, I'm learning that. All of that serves a, a purpose, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the times when, um, the times when you, I get a lot of anxiety. I, I guess I can speak. An example would be like when I'm writing my, when I was writing my dissertation. Jade knows because I FaceTimed her just about every day during the process, <laughs> and, and you know that like you know there were days where I just felt like shit, like yeah. <laughs> like yes. there were days where not because not because um. Not because I had to sit down and write all those words, not because I actually, you know, had to to go through the process of you know, writing and revising. That's not what made me feel like crap. What made me feel like crap was the anxiety that I felt because I was doing something that I did not know how to do. And I was scared to death to do it wrong. Um, and now looking back, I found like, I can say that all that anxiety and angst and dissonance and that yucky feeling when I was sitting here crying and didn't want to do it, all of that, if I I don't feel like I would have written as well if I didn't go through all of that. And I know that that sounds really weird to say, but I almost want to say that that kind of discomfort made me write better. Like it, it made me, it made me work harder. It made me more focused. It made me more diligent. Um, so I guess I'm saying all that to say is that there is value in all of the, um, all of the experiences and emotions and feelings and thoughts that are a part of the human experience. So when labels that are placed upon us or labels that we assume, when those things limit and make us feel guilty or shameful for having these experiences, then we are actually limiting um, and thwarting the quality of our life. Like we're not given the opportunity to grow up and learn and be as awesome and great as we're destined to be because we worried about the wrong things, you know? 
Um, and a lot, and a lot of that is not our fault. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, most of it is not our fault. I was, most of it is not our fault. <laughs> right. I was trying to be gracious. No, but, don't be diplomatic. <laughs> it is the majority yes. of it is not our fault because society has set it up where when we ask questions or we don't understand, we're stupid. When white women ask questions, they don't understand. You, you, they have their famous words. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And they just get to be like dismissive and like whatever about it. You know what I'm saying? But right. what we don't know, it's like the dumb black girl. You know what I'm saying? She don't get it. You know, what I'm, and it's it's reversed and we, it's not received the same. Right. But we have to we have to kind of, you know, we have to kind of break through those stereotypes and break through those fears. Um of coming off that way and not care what they think about what we're asking. We know that we want to do a good job. We know that we want to do the best that we can. And we know that we want full understanding. And so a lot of times it's breaking through those stereotypes and breaking through those stigmas that have been placed upon us. And it starts with us. It starts with us calling ourselves out. Uh, when we find ourselves kind of navigating and dealing with those pressures um, mm-hmm. and not being kind to ourselves um, and allowing for, you know, the not so awesome, uh, yucky, uncomfortable places in our lives that are really designed to kind of teach us valuable lessons. So um, we were talking about this over the weekend when I was saying how, when I was talking to Dubs and remember we were talking about how I hate to work out and it's just like the worst thing ever. And I, and I give myself a lot about it because I say that I'm going to work out. Let's say I say, I'm going to, I'm going to jump rope for 10 minutes every day. And if I miss a day, I like drag myself (laughs) because you ain't, uh, you ain't, you ain't never going to be like you. This is why. This is why your thighs are big. This is like, you know what I'm saying? This is why you ain't never going to have nice things. You're always going to be ruining the in, like the, the inner thighs of your pants is never going to be great, sis, because you out here, you can't even jump rope for 10 old minutes because they, they, I just, you know, you drag yourself, right? And Dust was saying like, no, you have to, you have to forgive yourself because that, being stuck in that place of shaming and dragging mm-hmm. yourself is what's going to keep you from doing it. Right. Right. So like, you don't even know it, but like subconsciously, I'll just, you know, you, say, I'm just going to stop setting the goal because I'm not going to reach it. Right. And then I'm not going to do it. So that we have to we get in our own way. Yeah, we have to be, we have to be conscious. And that's why it's so important to have friends around you who are willing to call you mm-hmm. out and, you know, show you, you know, the unhealthy patterns in, in, of behavior that you have um, and, and highlight the ways that you don't even really realize it. But these are habits, habits of mind that you have and just kind of like assumptions that you make um, and positions that you assume with regard to yourself and how you handle yourself. Um, and people tell me all the time that I treat my friends way better than I treat myself. And I know that to be true. Right. Like. If mm-hmm. I talk, if I heard somebody talking about Jay the way that I talked about me, I'll be ready to fight. Like, I, right? And it's saying, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's real. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I, like, I, I would be ready to it's fight. Nothing, nigga. I exactly. Fight, nigga. Like, I fight, I'm sorry, so. what was that? You said, like, that's what I'm saying. So, being conscious of of the ways in which we've allowed these systems and these, um, you know, common conventional ways of thinking, these ideologies to permeate 
ourselves and our psyches and how we move and exist and think in the world is really the way that the first order of business when it comes to combating and fighting back, fighting back against these notions. Um, on there's an awesome quote on page 90 where uh, um, Tamara interviews, uh, she, you know, she interviews a bunch of women in putting this book together. And she spoke to a woman mm-hmm. by the name of Ken- Kendall. And Kendall says, yes. I am, str-, Kendall says, um, I actually take pride in being strong. Why would you want to take that from me? The key is realizing that I am strong and I am powerful, but I am also vulnerable and I am also able to break. And because of that, I should be very careful with myself and expect the people around me to be careful with me as well, to support me, to help me, to provide encouragement and provide some kind of relief. And that is the problem, at least part of it. It is easy to forget that people who are strong need support and relief. It is sometimes depressingly hard for even Black women to remember that they are not indeed superwomen. Mm-hmm. Which is like, man, somebody write that down. Put that on like a decorative pillow so I can sit it up on my couch <laughs> and read that once a day. You got to do your Mary Jane sticky notes. I, oh, God. <laughs> Y'all know I don't, you know I can't use Mary Jane Paul. <laughs> Oh, Pauletta. She get on my nerve. MJ. Oh, she gets on my very last nerve. But, um, yeah, I also felt like I'm, I don't want to get into the whole, um, whole chapter. Cause like I said, we're not trying mm-hmm. to do spoilers, but I, I did want to ask you about this. So like in, in the book, this is before we move on to the next, the next part of our conversation. Um, mm-hmm. She also talks about how the strength of black women is is blamed, right? Black women are are literally blamed for everything. And the strength yes. of the black women or the notion of the resilient strength of the black women is oftentimes blamed as uh the is blamed for the black marriage crisis and the undate and the uh, undateability of black women, right? So we talked about this yes. last week when we were talking about anger, right? So mm-hmm. in addition to you know, the notion of, you know, black women being perceived as angry or having attitudes and not taking no stuff. The strength as another layer in that, you know, because we can take care of ourselves, because we're strong enough to do it, mm-hmm. that, you know, we incapacitate men who then need to whose whose need for taking care of us is directly tied to their to their manhood, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Maybe this is a whole other kitchen table talk, but I was just I remember <laughs> reading that like that is some bull swanky. How like what on earth? I could not imagine. I could not imagine. Let me tell you something. Let me just close this book for a second. <laughs> Again. What you think of me is none of my business. And, um. Man, that thing. The only man who is intimidated, the only man who is intimidated by the strength of a black woman or a woman in general and the success and the forward going and the ability to take care of her family and take care of her household and take care of her career. The only men who are intimidated by women like that are weak men. Yeah, man. That's real. And that's it. It's weak men. And I'm not calling. I'm not saying y'all are weak. Only hit dogs <laughs> holler. 
So, you know what I'm saying? There are plenty of plenty of men out there who are supportive, um, who stand by their women and what they do. And I refuse to give into the notion um, that we are going to be blamed for the marriage crisis, for the black marriage crisis, for this and that because of our strength and, and what we're able to display. I am not I am not feeding into that. Bullshit. It's very lazy, right? It's it's very lazy it and it is extremely like it's just like it's it's cheap, right? It's cheap, like it's like y'all gotta do it better is. than that. Um and I, I what saddens me the most is that I feel like I just wonder who's responsible. Like, who's responsible for this messaging that two things can't be true at one time, right? So, like, my strength, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, I'm only dateable if I am wholly reliant upon you. Like, my self-sufficiency. Bullshit. Like, that, I mean... That that that's that's troubling. That doesn't that doesn't sit well with that's me. Wet. I'm saying like on um I don't know what page this is. Let me look right quick. So on page ninety seven, uh, when she's talking about this this idea that the consistency seems to be that black women are too tough to to love or be loved, she bases this on comments that have been made by men. Um, she calls out Robin Thicke, who's been canceled for a long time now. But anyway, Robin Thicke. Oh, hold on. I just want to let you know. I think the iPad is two pages ahead of oh, the real book. So just in I'm FYI sorry, guys. to those who are. I no, it's fine. That. I just want to, for those who are referencing the book, it's page 99. So any page Kia says is two pages after. <laughs> My <real> bad. <laughs> I have to read it on the thing because I just can't be carrying around all these books. It's fine. Okay. No, absolutely. Okay. So uh, Robin Thicke. Uh, apparently asked he shared some advice in a in an essence in an article in essence magazine in 2011 mm. and he told black women mm. to take better care of their men uh, he <laughs> says maybe you're being too stubborn maybe you're not saying you're sorry you have to take good care of him too you have to give love to get love maybe we're being too damn strong for our own good and i mean this makes me it also makes me think of uh, the time where I tried, I really did try to read Steve Harvey's book about uh, act like a man, think like a woman, oh, think God. like a woman, act like a man. I don't know, child, whichever one. I realized very quickly that he wasn't talking to me. But um, oh, no. uh-uh. he too, he's another <laughs> one that was talking about how, you know, being a provider is such a central element of a man's identity and manhood that a woman's ability to care for herself threatens the man because he's he does not feel needed. Um so I and and this is like we talking New York Times best selling like so many people have consumed this um problematic <laughs> this as as it as it is <laughs> that I feel like this is you know I don't know maybe this is a deeper conversation that we can have later on but I just wonder how do we get to the meat of that? How how is it that how do we <sighs> how do we combat? Because I and I I'm not at all suggesting or or arguing that the majority of men feel this way. I I do I do believe though that enough men feel this way. 
Um, and I can say that I, in my own personal experience, have come into come into contact with men who I believe feel this way. Um, <laughs> They're weak. But what is it? But I'm saying, even if that be the case, what is what am I to do? Like, is there anything that I can do to address that in a productive way? Because that is a frustration that I feel like has got to be common amongst other women. Uh, because I often feel in a position where it's just like, I'm listening to him speak and it's like his whole, the way, his perspective, the way that he understands the world, his idea of what it means to be in a relationship is completely different than mine. And what do I do now? Like, like, what do I do now? Because it's not a matter of like, oh, he prefers breakfast and I prefer lunch. It's not like stuff we can work around. I'm talking fundamentally. Right. The way that this man perceives a relationship, what he feels like his role is and my role is in this relationship is completely counter to what I believe. So what do we do now? And how do I assert myself and how I believe, how, you know, what I believe and how, do, how am I confident and secure in, in being, quote unquote, strong, opinionated, loud as hell, Kia? <laughs> um, well, first and foremost, you break up. Break um, up with it. <laughs> Shout out to Crystal. Get your sweatshirt today. Okay. It, cha- it will change your life. It will. I mean, you don't even have to say <laughs> nothing. All, you you just open the door wearing that. Um, How you doing? All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Break up with him. Okay. You got the message. You open the door like Joey and the scammer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, but first of all, I think in a situation like that, and I, I presume you're talking from the perspective of possibly already being in a relationship with somebody, um, or being you guys having expressed interest or whatever. You cannot control somebody else's insecurities and weakness like you can't. And I'm still stand behind (laughs) what I said, that the only niggas who feel like that are weak ones and insecure ones. But when when you're already in a relationship or you're talking or whatever, ask that man, like address those issues head on and ask that man like, okay, bro, (laughs) listen, um... What attracted to you? What attracted you to me in the first yeah. place? Let's start there. You know what I'm saying? And if all he's able to say is you got high cheekbones, a big butt, nice thighs, a, a, a decent waist <laughs> ratio, like if that's all he's able to say, break up with him. But if he's able to talk about um, who you are as a person, let's say this is about Kia. You know, I love your drive. I love the fact that. You have all of these accolades behind you. I love the fact that you handle it with grace. I love that you're a black woman who pops her gum and and, and lights her chicken wings fried hard and wears her door knockers. All right, so you like all these things about me. So then you know all of those characteristics do not equal some docile doormat and of I, a woman. Listen, I, listen. This is this is good because I was thinking today. I read another article today. Well, I saw a tweet today and I, I um retweeted it and said that this might be um. You know, uh, uh, we might have to gather around the kitchen table and talk about this. And I even feel like it might be a potential topic for the live show, sis, because I feel like we really got to get into this. Um, I think that we, to your point, 
I think that it is something to be said. Men say a lot of things in terms of what they like, what they're attract, what it, what they are attracted to, the kinds of qualities that they want to have in a partner. Mm-hmm. But I find, and I feel like there is some research uh, out there to back it up, that men say that they want a smart, strong woman, and they say it. They want it in theory, mm-hmm. but in practice. <laughs> We don't often, like, the <laughs> translation is not always clear. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can say, he can say out of his mouth that I love that you're so smart. I love that you, you know, have great ideas and that you ask questions. And I love and I love and I love it. That's all well and good when he's on the same side of your questions, right? But when you start to question in him. Right. <laughs> then it's like, oh, Then you're too much. Minute. Like, you're like, wait a minute. So um, I feel like that's a part of a larger conversation that I feel like I want to have about uh, Mm -hmm. standards of beauty, like what it means to be smart and what it means to be pretty and how those two things are often at odds with one another. But still, everybody often says, you know, I love her because she's so smart and so pretty, right? Or like, or you know, you? so or you know, and and I'm not even talking about um, just dating relationships, but all this stuff also has implications for how we exist and move at our jobs, and how you know we navigate our careers and our professions because there is um, an idea in a lot of professions that being pretty and acting pretty and dressing feminine and you know that compromises your professionalism or the quality of your work. So there are, you know, academics who work, you know, there's a, there's a body of research about like, you know, people who work in STEM fields and, you know, some women scientists who, when they're in the lab, they feel pressure to kind of mm-hmm. dress, um, for lack of a better word, more homely or frumpy or like, you know, they don't, you know, they frumpy. don't wear mm-hmm. form fitting clothes. They don't wear makeup or high heel shoes. They, because they don't want, people, other, other uh, colleagues and other professionals and even other male students who are working under them to see a woman. They want respect me for mm-hmm. my science, right? That's a, you know, quick little plug. That's a paper that I had wrote <laughs> a few years ago with a research group. <laughs> Y'all ma- we can, I can add the citation if you're interested in reading it, but like there's a group of women, a women of color who are out there like respect me for my science. Don't, don't, um, I mean, I know I'm in here with this body, yada, yada. I don't want you to see that, though. So this is, I feel like we're getting a little long here, but I'm going to wrap this up. But I want to, I feel like that might be a conversation. You guys let us know if that's something you guys, that that you would like us to um, tackle for, you know, future conversations, maybe even for the live show. But um, I, I think, I, I do feel like there's some more conversation to be had. I don't know, sis, what do you think? Do you think we should save the health and wellness piece for next week since we're already getting a little long or do you want to just forage on um i'm fine either way you let me know what you want to do and (laughs) i'm down for the cause i mean i think we should give oh man you want to give it its own i do kind of want to give it its own because you know one of the ways in, in combating this notion of of strength um or the label of the strong black woman and kind of 
recognizing that we need balance and taking care of ourselves is a priority. Uh, we wanted to lay out some things that we can do uh, or should be doing to take better care of ourselves um, as Black women. So we wanted to have like a Black women self-care. I know we haven't done a segment in a little while, but we wanted to kind of add that, fuse that into this conversation um, because there is a chapter in the book that deals with health issues um, that Black women face and how Black women are navigating health and how the stress of being a Black woman has uh, impacted our health. Um, so not, yeah, let's save it. Let's save I it. I think for we next should week save it so that um, we can give it its proper attention. Indeed, but yeah, hopefully you guys. I think we. Um, I don't know. I think that there is more to unpack here. We tried to jump around and and highlight some key aspects of the chapter, but there is so much to the book that, like you said, we're not trying to talk about it all, but we do want to, you know, use this to frame our conversation. And I think it's cool that we're thinking about these things because it's it's very rare that we sit back and think about um, identity and how identity, how our identities really impact the way that we move in the world. And I think it's really important for us to have these conversations as people who are figuring out how to be real live adults, because the way we think about things is going to shape um, some of these common ideologies and conventions and ways of thinking for future generations. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and before we close out, I wanted to, um, I wanted to kind of round it out um, with the last part of the chapter. Okay. which is called finding the balance right um because in that notion of being a quote unquote strong black woman um in the beauty but also the danger in that is that we're not seen as vulnerable um and we're not allowed to be vulnerable uh in a lot of situations um and allowing for and it says allowing for physical and emotional vulnerability is not weakness it's humanness mm. Or it is the revolutionary act in the face of a society eager to mold black women into hard, unbreakable things. Uh, that's on page 100. Ooh, so unbreakable. I just, right. <laughs> and that's how we're seen, like right. as object, as unbreakable object. And there's such a, there's such a danger in that, like I said earlier, because we are not allowed that humanity. We're not, we're not allowed that humanness, should I say. Um, and, you know, there's a, a huge conversation to be had about mental health right. in Black women and how, you know, our past generations, even though they were seen as those who took care of their families and they go to work and they're just, like we said, workhorses who are just going, going, going. We don't talk about how so many of our mothers and our grandmothers have had mental breakdowns because they've not been allowed like we're in a space now where mental health is focused on and it's spoken about so often and encouraged but at that time it wasn't and it was stifling to black women because they were not allowed they were not an outlet allowed an outlet for those emotions and they were just going 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 and I've seen it for myself I've seen it with family members I've seen it up close and personal where years in history of just hardship has caused them to to completely break down and they've had to keep going and it's they've just gotten to a point where they're not able to any longer 
And so it's so important that in all of that strength that we find beauty in, but also in all the strength that we find beauty in as Black people and as Black women and each other and how we try to uplift each other, we focus on trying to fix what our mothers and our grandmothers were not able to do. And that's focus on our mental health and know that we're not so strong where we can't go and find therapy or find outlets for things that allow us to express those things in a proper manner so that we don't find ourselves in those same positions in the future and we don't pass that on to our future generations. Absolutely. So I love it. That's my final piece. Come on, you better have a final piece. Hey. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, y'all loud this beer. I hear you, honey. <laughs> you zooming it. It's just like you, that's an awesome point. Is this ass- And the importance of getting the tools to deal with things. Because uh, like you said, a lot of times we just, we continue to suppress. We suppress, we don't deal with. We just kind of get over things. And we don't deal with like significant trauma that we have uh, significant traumatic events that we've had. And because of that, you know, it's literally like all this internal, like years and years and years of that stuff built up. Mm -hmm. And it it definitely, if it doesn't, it's always going to find a way to express itself. Um, Exactly. Whether it be sickness or whether it be substance abuse or any, there's so many different ways, anger, bitterness, uh, codependency, all kinds of unhealthy mm-hmm. ways that this kinds of stuff um, comes to light. So it's important, like you said, um, that we take the responsibility to like change the course. You know what I'm saying? Right. Try to combat that. Right. So yeah, man. So good. yes, that's the Kitchen Table Talk this week. Um Again, if you guys are not reading The Sisters Are All Right by Tamara Winfrey Harris, please try to get a copy. But for those of you who are not reading it um, and are not going to, again, we try to make these discussions as uh, well-rounded as possible and as open as possible. So you don't have to be reading the book to be tuned in or to be a part of the conversation. So we love it if you kept the conversation going. Um, we again... Well, we're not going to ask you to tell us what you want to discuss next week because we already know now. <laughs> <laughs> but so. if there are other things, or other questions, or themes, or things that you want us to, um, you know, highlight or talk about, if you want to hear our insights or reactions to some things, it's okay to send us an email. Someone asked about a hashtag today, and we hadn't had one, mm. but maybe I'll make one. Um, <laughs> okay, maybe it'll be like GGBC or something like that. <laughs> so that people can join in on the conversation. And yeah, so please do that. Y'all know how to reach us. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this. I have to be honest. I am really into the book and I really, I really enjoy yes. the meat. I feel like the, the book really, you know, helps us to kind of think through some things that we may not have even considered. Um, and even though the book is, was written a few years ago, there's still, you know, things about it that, you know, are very relevant. Absolutely. today so hopefully you guys agree and uh, we can continue on and i will try this week to have the list of april's books the poll for april's book i will try my try my yes. best this week to have that up so that we can get these votes in and we can select april's books asexually but yes it's, let's move on yes. to the honesty box yes
This week's episode of Getting Grown is brought to you by Care Of. Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective, quality ingredients that are personally tailored to your exact needs. Their fun online quiz, with which asks about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices, makes it really easy to figure out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need in just a few minutes. No more worrying about replacing multiple bottles when you run out because your subscription box includes a 30-day supply of individually wrapped packets for easy grab-and-go. And all of that for about 20% less than similar brands at local drug and health food stores. I went to care of this clear, super cute, easy-to-navigate website earlier today. It features a fun little quiz that helps um, care of customize a battery of daily vitamins that are curated to meet your specific needs. So I took my need, uh, my quiz and the vitamins that they put together were to help me um, with bone health, to help me manage my RA, um, to help me manage uh, combat fatigue and foggy brain because, you know, I'd be tired. And also to combat fine lines and wrinkles because I'm trying to keep my black from cracking. Uh, so you should visit Care Of, take this quiz and get your whole vitamin life. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GROWN. That's take care of T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F dot com and enter the code GROWN for 25% off your first month of personalized vitamins. Honestly? Truly. We got the honesty box this week. It says, hi, Jaden Kia. First of all, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I tune in weekly from the UK. And the advice you queens, I know, right? We global. We international. And the advice you... We international, we over international waters. <laughs> <laughs> the advice queens give always resonates with me. I feel like I should be reading this honesty box with a British accent. So oh, <clears throat> I'm going to start over. Help us, Jesus. You know you wasn't going to get through an episode without <sighs> me being me. Hi, Jade and Kia. First of all, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Lord. I tune in weekly from the UK and I, the advice you queens give always resonates with me. Nothing but love for you <laughs> both. I just turned 20 and I'm midway through my second year of Aww. university. I've decided to take a year out of uni. <laughs> Ooh. You're so irritating. <laughs> Please read it. Next academic year to do an internship, which I am really excited about. The problem is I want to spend my year working in Spain while my mom could literally not imagine anything worse. I understand her apprehension because I would be living by myself in a country she's not familiar with and never visited, but my Spanish is good. I studied it as a minor at uni. <laughs> I've always been quite independent, and the internship is a very good opportunity that will help me with my career plans in the long run. But whenever I bring up the fact that I have applied to go to Spain, she shuts off or shoots me down, whilst encouraging me to apply to other places in England that I am not at all interested in. I'm taking her advice and applying to other places in case, God forbid, I get rejected. But the internship in Spain is what I am most passionate about. My mom is a strong African woman whose word is usually final, and I'm having a lot of trouble standing up to her. My question to you guys is, how do I convince her that moving to Spain is the right decision? If I get the internship, I will probably go anyway, but I don't want it to affect our relationship, especially if I'm going to be alone in a new country. I will need her support. Please impart some of your wisdom on me. P.S. Please keep me anonymous. Okay, girl. <laughs> so, love and love. 
How anonymous. Um, this is a tough one because you, you know, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Your mom doesn't like it and this is what you want. Um, what I will say to you is she is your mother and she's going to love you regardless. And you, there are going to be many, many, many things in your life that you're going mm-hmm. to disagree on. Um, and that she's not going to agree with. And that doesn't mean that you should stop living your life, but know that your mom's not going to abandon you and leave you. Uh, she's, she may be very upset for quite some time. Um, but she's always going to come back to the fact that you are her child and that she loves you. And so no matter what hardships you go through, um, in communication with her and decisions that you make that she is not, she's not a fan of, uh, you kind of just have to, you just kind of have to eat it and live your life, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. That's what I have for you. Uh, and this internship sounds like something you really, really want and an opportunity that um, you'd love to be a part of. And I don't see why you should settle for going somewhere that you don't want to go or doing something that you don't want to do. Um, what you're doing is not going to hurt you. It's it's going to help you in the long run, but it's not there to hurt you. It's something that's beneficial. And so she'll eventually get over it. True. I mean, I, I I agree. I think that I was going to say um, there comes a time in every woman's life where she has to uh, realize that it's not about asking for permission. Mm-hmm. Um, there comes like it's a time where you have to decide. It's like I'm not I'm not asking your permission. I am telling you that this is a decision that I have made. Um, and it's not, it doesn't come at the same time for every, every woman. Right. So, um, for me, I was a little, I was 21 and it wasn't like I, a study abroad situation or internship, uh, overseas, but it was, it was going away for spring break. Um, uh, I mentioned to my mom that I was thinking about doing it with my friends and she reacted and was like, well, I don't understand why you would do that. That don't make no sense. Blah, 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 blah. And just the way that she reacted, I, uh, you know, kind of assumed, was like, oh, she's not going to let me go. And then I spoke to my aunt about it. And she was just like, you're 21 years old. What you mean your mama not going to let you go? <laughs> like, what you mean let? Like, what you going to let you go? <laughs> she was like, it's all about how you frame it. How you frame the conversation to her is going to make a difference. So it's a difference between asking your mom, like when you were 17, you might've said, Hey mom, can I go on spring break with my friends? Mm -hmm. But 21 year old Kia says, mom, I'm going on spring break with my friends. And you know, it's just that simple. Now I knew that it was my decision and I was then responsible for that Mm -hmm. decision. And as such, anything that may have happened on that trip, um, I would have to be ready to take responsibility for that and even hear her if she came back with mm-hmm. the I told you so or all of that and th- thus. But 
you know, like Jay said, I knew that if I went on spring break with my friends, it wasn't going to be like my mom was going to stop talking to me or disown me. or any, She might not have been thrilled about it. But at the end of the day, it wasn't nothing she could do about it. I didn't ask her for no money. I wasn't asking her to do anything like, you know, as it related to me getting there. I didn't ask, you know, there wasn't I asked for her, to, you know, I didn't ask for her to get me there or have anything to do with my arrangements or food. I didn't ask for spending money. None of that. It was my decision and I was going. So it wasn't like, hey, mom, I'm thinking about going on this internship. It's like, mom, I've applied to this internship in Spain. I find out whether or not I'm going in, you know, whatever time frame. And if it happens, if it so happens that you get it, and I pray that you do because it sounds like you really want it, then it's enough, then the conversation is different. It's like, I'm going and I did this, you know, it's, it's happening. It's done. You know what I mean? It's done. Right. It's not like I'm, you know, it's done. So I don't know. I, I agree with Jade. I don't think it's, um, I don't, I don't feel like your mom would stop loving you or cut you off or Mm-mm. anything like that. Um, but if she does, I mean, with the responsibility of adulthood and making decisions for ourselves, we have to take responsibility. I don't think that your mom will, but if she does, you have to determine, you know, whether or not that's something you want to deal with yeah. or navigate. But again, I wouldn't count myself out of the opportunity no. just on the possibility that she might, you know? And it's good that you're like, you're you're taking smart steps, you're applying to other places, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket, but that doesn't mean that you don't go after the things that you want because your mom's going to be disapproving, especially if these are positive things and things that are going to build your life um, and things that you truly desire, because you're always going to sit back and be upset if you never go for those things just because of the potential of disappointing your mother. And furthermore, that can cause mm-hmm. resentment in the future. Which ultimately, you talked about how you don't want it to change you guys' relationship, but ultimately your mother will gain a respect for you when you stand up for yourself with certain things and then always in a respectful manner. It's also about how you frame it, like Kia said, but your mom will gain a respect for you and a, and a respect for your decisions when you come to her with what you're doing, as opposed to asking for permission for what you're doing. And that'll, that will prevent a changed relationship in the future and you building resentment toward her because she ultimately kept you from, um, you know, things that you want. Um, and as, as it pertains to her cutting you off, like both of us said, she's not going to do that. I remember when my ex fiance, uh, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. He was having a family reunion and I wanted to go. I was invited to go and I couldn't afford a plane ticket. So I had the bright idea that I was going to rent a car and drive. So to Atlanta, Georgia, um, So I did. And my cousin came with me and my mom was not happy about it. She was like, I don't think this is smart. And at the time, there was no GPS. There was like MapQuest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Phone, cell phones were not as advanced as they are now. I think camera phones were just being introduced. But I went and I paid for it. Like it was a whole lot of shenanigans on that trip to the point where my cousin ended up leaving me with the rental car. And I had to take a Greyhound bus back. Um, that ended up breaking down and then I had to eat army food, oh, but God. that's another story for another time. But I say all this to say, my mom, when it was all said and done, 
you know, she was just like, all right, I want you to have a safe trip. If anything, you're going. So at this point, I want you to have a safe trip. And when I came back, even after all of the bullshit, my mom had my back because she knew my cousin was crazy as cat shit and that she was wrong for what she did. And my mom was like, you know, she 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 had my back in that. You know what I'm saying? So I say all that to say your mom's not going to not have your back for the rest of your life because you because you do something that she doesn't like. That's so real. I mean, and and like my mom wasn't thrilled about it. But guess who picked me up from the airport when I got back from spring break? <laughs> so, you know, okay. exactly. See, like they'll get over it. They, get over it. <laughs> they always get over it. As long as it's not like something crazy, like, mom, I want to be, you know, I want to become a stripper or, you know, out of the blue or mom, I want to start oh, selling God, drugs. Like, or I want to get pregnant. Like, it, as long as it's not like some drastic thing that's getting ready to give them a heart attack. You know what I'm saying? They're going to get over it. They're going to be all right eventually. And you got to live your life for you. You can't live your life for your mother. Hopefully that's helpful, sis. I hope so. Um, keep us shout posted. out to you all the way in the UK. Please keep us posted. Let us know if you get that internship. We would love, love, love to celebrate you if you did. And shout you and out. Absolutely. We promise that if you get that internship, we are shouting you out for it because I think that is absolutely incredible. So all of the best to you um, in your endeavors. Uh, if you have Honesty Box questions, send them to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. Um, did we shout out? Did we shout out Spotify for featuring us for Women's Month? I don't know if we did, but hey, girl, Spotify, thank you, sis. Thank you. We have gotten new listeners off of that and emails. And so we were featured um, in Spotify's uh, International Women's Day list or Women's Women's Month. Month. (laughs) I'm sorry. <laughs> Spotify, I'd love to work with you. You guys know I love a playlist. Uh but we were featured and it's such an honor uh to be featured up there with some really dope podcasts. Um and to like get all of these new listeners who come in and we welcome you guys. We're glad you are enjoying the show and we hope that as you listen from the very beginning that you see the growth <laughs> that Kia and I um <laughs> Have, have have tried to exhibit but we, we are super super glad and super grateful for all the support we've gotten the live show is damn near sold out which i think is incredible. Is it? it's um almost there it's not far off um i didn't know <laughs> and so it's it like it is few 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 tickets left which i was super shocked about really when did you yeah. ask how come <laughs> weekend but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this weekend okay. we can get a final count um, tomorrow. I, I don't want to text Alex now. But <laughs> I think it's y'all buying, please, because we don't want to be at the Arc Theater by ourselves. That's all. Well, we know we're not going to be there by ourselves. Shout out to all the listeners who have bought plane tickets. Oh my gosh, you guys are crazy! Thank you so much. Um, as we're getting closer to the event, we are going to do that giveaway where we are giving away a couple of tickets. So um, we will definitely keep you posted as to how you can enter for that. Uh, but yeah, send your honesty box questions, your petty peeves, and your kitchen table talk suggestions to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. And let's move on to the petty peeves. Let's do it. That was ugly. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. 
It's time for the petty piece. I figured I'd give you something uglier than what you say you did. <laughs> so, you be looking out. You be looking out. Yeah. So I'll be trying to big you up though. Um, my petty peeve this week. Um, so I don't feel bad about sharing this because Fearadasia put it on his uh, Instagram story. Okay. So I feel okay sharing it. Uh, we went to the strip club. <laughs> in Atlanta because who goes to Atlanta and doesn't go to the strip club besides my mom <laughs> um, so we went my petty peeve oh boy. is for the niggas who can't afford to go to the strip club oh boy let me explain something to y'all the strip club is an experience okay it is a place that you go and you budget for <laughs> And you budget properly. Strip club is not a lounge. It's not a hangout. It's not a we work. <laughs> it's not it's a, a corporate working it's space. Not a bodega corner. Oh, like God. it is somebody's, it is multiple somebody's jobs who pull tips, by the way. And so for you niggas who only have $40 in your account, like Crystal said, $30 of that is going to go to your cover charge. And then you're going to get a drink. And then you have no money left for the strippers who are at work. They are there to make money and pay their bills. This is what they do. Don't go to the strip club if you cannot afford to tip the ladies. That's not proper strip club etiquette. So for all of the 375 raggedy niggas who just stood around and watched. My lord. You all are despicable. <laughs> You're gross. You're probably those men who get mad about your women having jobs and being <laughs> strong black women because you are weak and you go to the strip club and you're broke. <laughs> so... That's my petty peeve this week. Okay? It's, going, it's a real sad day when you have a group of 16 gay men and women <laughs> who show up to the strip club and show out on you raggedy broke niggas. Oh, help us. My husband occasionally goes to the strip club. You know what he where he doesn't do when he doesn't have that? His homeboy called him the other day and said, yo, I'm in town. What's up? You trying to go to the strip club? My husband was like, that is not in the budget this week. <laughs> like, it is an experience. The ATM machine at the strip club, the fee itself is seven dollars. Sweet God, it is. It was seven dollars, sis. It was seven dollars, and it is a minimum of one hundred dollars to change. You had to go to DJ booth to change for once. So it's not cheap. And let me tell you how quickly one hundred dollars goes in a good strip a club. Moments, a quickly. moments, a moment's time, literally a moment's, a moment's time. As soon as three. Ladies decide that they're going to form a pyramid with their bodies. <laughs> Your money is out the window. So all I'm saying oh. is, if you're going to go to the strip club, go prepared. That's it. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready. That's it. Well, uh, my petty peeve was inspired. I had a conversation just a few moments prior to our uh, recording with my sister. Um, Leslie, um, Leslie and I grew up together in the dirty, dirty streets of White Plains. She was sharing, <laughs> sharing with me an experience that she had with the young man that she met on a dating site. Right. Ooh. 
Listen, this happens. This is like, this, there's no, there's not even like a negative stigma around dating sites anymore because that's just the way of the world. You can literally buy your groceries online. You're going to meet, like, you know, you can meet somebody online too. No matter, you know what I'm saying? It's just what we do sometimes. You're absolutely right. Um, you can buy essential oils, your groceries, and a nigger all in one listen, day. Listen, all in one day, you know, <laughs> you can do it via Apple Pay if you want. Like, you know, that's just how convenient <laughs> life is now. You know what I'm saying? You don't even have to leave yeah. your house. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, because this is an experience that I've had, uh, you know, in in these kind on these kind of platforms as well, specific to men who uh, are Christian, Christian men who are very vocal and and um, strong willed and very, very adamant about their identity as Christian men, their values, you know very apparent on their profiles and when you speak to them, it's something that they are very upfront about, right? Which is cool, right? That's what's up. Like, nobody's mad. But I I have noticed something that happens when it comes to these, well, some, I don't want to say all, but some of these quote-unquote Christian super-saved men (laughs) Um, who profess their Christianity very loudly on dating websites. So uh, let's say you're having a conversation with a dude. Okay. Leslie is having a conversation with a dude this weekend. This weekend, she met this dude. Um, he said to her, I guess I don't remember how the conversation started, but they were talking about like swag. Oh, he asked her, this is what it was. He asked her what was her type, right? You know, if she had like a type, a physical kind, like what, dudes that she usually attracted to physically her response was i don't really have a type as a lot of people that i've dated they don't really look alike at all no one kind of fits into one category i've dated really tall light-skinned dudes Uh, i've dated really short dark-skinned chocolate dudes like you know so she was saying she's like but i will say you know i like somebody with swag right i like a dude with swag Mm -hmm. this nigga Mm -hmm. says to her I had to give up my swag when I got saved. I said, oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something, right? What? That is not about, like, when you, somebody who says that is somebody who never had any swag at all. That's exactly what <laughs> I was what going I, to say. Somebody never had who an never had swag at all would say something like, I had to give up my swag for, for Jesus. Jesus will not ever, <laughs> ever require you to give up your swag. And this is it's irritating no. to me because people who don't have personalities or people who are corny or people who are awkward and weird and have trouble in a dating arena who also happen to be Christian oftentimes assign, uh, like attribute their lack of success in dating to Christianity or people being anti-Christian or people not wanting to date them because they have certain values. That's bogus. Stop hiding behind Jesus and lying on Jesus. You don't have a personality <laughs> and that's okay. But Jesus doesn't have anything to do with that, sir. Um, and no, I also want to disabuse you of the notion that being a Christian means that you have to be a robot and you can't be who you were before you got saved. I don't believe that to be true. And if you think that that's the case, then you have a very limited understanding of what it means to be in real relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't feel like Jesus will ever ask me to give up all the things that he put in me to make me me. 
in order to please him. Jesus knew me when he made me that I was going to pop my gum. He knew he knew when he made me that I was going to um that I was going to be really good at jumping double dutch. He knew when he, when he made me that I you know yeah. what I said there were certain things about me, you know, that that I don't feel like he would ask me to compromise. And I don't feel like those things, like the things that make me me, the thing, you know. Now, Kia, I need you to wear studs. I need you to eat soft chicken wings. <laughs> exactly. And I Come on. He to... was like, he's not going to do that. <laughs> no, he's not going to do that. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You dressing corny and you saying awkward, weird things and you not being a, being socially inept and not having the capacity to hold a conversation with somebody has nothing to do with Jesus. That is a flaw of your own, sir. Stop it. Stop mm-hmm. it right now. He even fixed his face to tell Leslie that um, he said, I wrote it down because I was just that blown away about it. He said his celibacy was getting in the way of his dating, meaning that he was dating Christian women in a church, but because he was the one that didn't want to have sex, they didn't want to date him. I said, oh, no, because let me tell you something. (laughs) Christian, first of all, I'm not, I'm not proud to say it, but there are Christian. Have you ever been to a Catholic school? There are Christian (laughs) women who actually plan. They, They plan. (laughs) <laughs> they plan like they plan the times that they're going to fall, right? You know, I'm only going to have sex on Wednesday and Friday because that's going to give me Saturday to get together <laughs> before I have to get in the choir stand on Sunday. So I, I, I don't believe that there are women in the church who mm-hmm. love God and are trying mm-hmm. to pursue his principles and be who he called them to be. I don't feel like a woman will be threatened or intimidated or not interested in you because you are choosing to be celebrate for God. That doesn't even make sense. Don't listen. When Sister Charlene <laughs> passes away and Brother Earl listen. is single, all the old biddies be showing up to his doorstep with Jello salad <laughs> and carrot salad and listen. loaf and breads. <laughs> and guess what? It is not so that he can go Hello? help them pick out a Hello? pair of pantyhose. What I need you to know, <laughs> young man, is that your phone being dry and nobody want to date you is because you are wax sauce. People are not having. People don't have want to have sex with you because they don't want to have sex with you. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It doesn't. Stop blaming him. Stop. He is going to be really upset with you for lying on him like this. And I want you to cut it out. You are, you are whack. whack. And that's okay because there are whack people in the kingdom of God. But all of us are not whack. You know what I'm saying? This in. There's some lame out there who wants to be with you too, but don't be twi- don't be putting don't put that. that on you. No, don't do that. stop it, <laughs> stop it, because you make us look bad. Because I happen to be one of the listen. I happen to be one of the swaggiest Christians that I know. <laughs> yeah, you listen, swaggiest Christian. I'm out here in these streets, man. Respect me. <laughs> listen, I know many saucy listen, ladies. Who saucy so, mumbo sauce. I'm out here. Mumbo. Sauce. Listen, mm, the delicious kind, not that no, 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 thick red kind. Delicious, <laughs> savory, sweet, spicy mumbo sauce. That's me, and I happen to also love the Lord. So don't be out here thinking that because I love the Lord, I got to stop being mumbo sauce. That's not it. That's I don't believe that to be the case. I don't. I do not. But that's my petty peeve. All the whack niggas are out here blaming their whackness on Jesus. Stop lying on my Savior. Thank you very much. 
<laughs> thus concluding <laughs> episode 52 oh my god i have a year's worth of episodes this is episode 52 the year episode 52 of getting grown with jay nakia we thank you for your patience we know that we wrapped you up quite a bit uh, today but hopefully uh you've enjoyed the ride thank you for listening keep on listening buy those tickets to the getting grown live show happening on april 13th we would love to kick it with you absolutely and shout out to everybody who's already purchased tickets we can't wait to see you in the building we have we have finalized so cute guys merch it's super, super, super We have a hat and we have shirts. We have two shirt options. And the Team Type and Fast shirts yes. will also be available for your purchase. Uh, so please, guys, Absolute. come on, kick it with us and have an awesome time. Um, And also, okay, so also, uh, if there is any merch left over, we'll see mm-hmm. how it sells at the live show. We will put it online for you guys to purchase because we know some of you have asked right. so we'll see how that goes um we also have a praise the lord nigga shirt i'm gonna just go ahead Yay. and put it out there now i know it is risque <laughs> <laughs> to put niggas on it's a shirt spelled out all the way um there's a star <laughs> but it's bold and it Listen, is what you, you guys asked. asked for so like we you all asked for it, and so we gave it to you. So don't be having us out here. And that's the theme <laughs> of me and Kia putting on any live shows or doing anything. Don't be having us out here. So we 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 definitely have what you guys have been asking for. We will see how that does. And maybe we will pursue further in the future um, so that we can make it a movement. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, guys. All right. Drink your water. Thank you for listening. Mind your business. Moisturize your skin. Because your black will crack if it's dry. Good day. Good day.